Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Coming at you with a little Stanley Cup final review and an off-season outlook here. Recording on Saturday, June 17th. Boys, how are we doing today? Eric, Cody, uh, glad to see you. Uh, good to hear from you. What, uh, what's the word? Uh, I'll start us off here because I'll be hopping off of here pretty soon and letting you guys do your thing. But been doing good, hopping on here. Just had a nice, nice fantasy meeting, ready to get this year rolling. And uh, yeah, it's going so, good. So we're going to start kicking off all of our podcasts with uh, a hot take from each one of the uh, the hosts in action here. We're trying to get uh, a little bit more uh, listener engagement. Let you guys in on the uh, the the back half of our personalities that does not involve sports. Uh, I'm going to kick it off first because I'm pretty excited with this one. It's probably my least hot take as far as uh, you know. I feel like a lot of people are going to agree with me, but it is my most passionate take. Uh, parades are awful. They shouldn't be a thing. I don't understand them. And if I never went to another one in my life, I'd be very happy. What do you guys think about that? You want to take it away, Eric? Uh, personally. I don't agree with you, but I know I have a cousin, Cassidy, who 1,000% agrees with you. When we were at one of the Stanley Cup parades for the Blackhawks, she got shit on by a bird, and she has never wanted to go to one since. Eric, why do you like parades? Explain this to me. I need someone to give me I mean, that. you don't... Ha- I mean, like, all right, I enjoy Stanley Cup parades. Like, I don't that- enjoy, like, Memorial Day parades and shit. But also, if we had a Memorial Day parade in my neighborhood. We got free donuts. We had the fucking old fire trucks that come out. One of them towed me when I was on my rollerblades. They're just a good time. You're just sitting there, hot, and watching slow-moving vehicles go by. I don't understand. I, if I, if well, I when had, you're in the parade, it's fun. It, that's completely different. <laughs> being in a parade is a good yeah, time. Yeah, being in a parade is I've only had it once or twice. Completely different, though. That's, yeah. That is not what I'm talking about. No. Being at a parade, 9 out of 10 times, awful. Parades are, parades are awful. I, I think parades are one of the worst things. I can do a sports parade. I think sports parades are cool. But coming – like I just went to one, was at the Chiefs parade. I watched so many buses go by with a bunch of random people I couldn't give a fuck about. And I got like 30 seconds where I got to see Kelsey and Mahomes. And it's like I literally was sitting here for four and a half, five hours for 30 <laughs> seconds of enjoyment. Like it is the – it's and you're literally like – Butts to nuts with people the entire time. Random people you don't know most of the time. I'm, I'm with Nick. Parades, if it never happened again, I would not care. Butts to nuts. That's fucking <laughs> great. I've never heard that before. I, I like that a lot. But I agree. Same, same. Uh, I, I would agree. I'd say the same thing with the, the Stanley Cup final parade I went to for the Blues. It was great for about 30 seconds, but the other five hours I was there, I was just hot and you know, very yeah. far away from everybody I wanted to see. And then, so I'll run into mine real quick because I know Eric's is going to be hockey related and I got to bounce out of here for you guys. But mine, my hot take of the episode is I think hot coffee is disgusting, but I love the taste of cold coffee. An iced coffee or a cold brew or anything like that, give your boy some cold coffee. I can put it down like it's absolutely nothing. You give me a hot cup of coffee, I've turned into a little girl, man. I will not take a drink of it. I think it's disgusting. See, I'm a coffee lover of all varieties, so I can't agree with you here. Um, I, I do love I, – I think I would take a cold coffee over a hot coffee if, if, if push came to shove, but I see the merits of both, unfortunately. Is it is it a tasting for you, or is it just – the hot 
hot. I think I think it's more of the hotness because I don't really enjoy that many hot drinks. Like hot chocolate's okay. good to me because it's basically you're just drinking hot chocolate milk. But like it's also not like I don't ever crave a hot chocolate. Like I'd rather just drink chocolate milk cold. So I'm not a big hot drink kind of person. Same thing with like tea. Like, I don't really like hot tea, but if you give me like a cold iced tea, like I could drink that fine. So may just be the temperature, but coffee in particular, like you give me a warm coffee. I'm putting like a couple ice cubes in there, get it closer to room temperature, and then I'm sucking it down. So that's my hot, t- hot take of the week or episode, whichever, whichever one. I got to bounce out of here. I got to head do a work thing. But you boys enjoy some hockey talk and enjoy the podcast. Share it with a friend. Share it with an enemy. We don't care. Peace out. Peace out, Cody. Eric, what's your hot take before we get into the hockey content? Well, before I get to that, uh, I'm a child when it comes to coffee. I don't drink it. The only way I drink coffee is Irish, so I'll pass on iced and regular <laughs> coffee. So Spoken like a true um, Irishman. All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, my hot take for the episode actually is not going to have to do with hockey. It's going to have to do with football. I think that domed stadiums should be banned in all sports, not just football, because the weather the is part of the take game. that you've ever had Come fucking at me, in dude. your life. Why Come at me, bro. No, dome stadiums. Why do we want? Why is the weather affecting the, the best part of, the game a good of thing? every sport I ever played? Was the weather the best football game I ever played in? Was after a tsunami when we were just fucking sliding through the mud, fucking each other up. You should have seen these kids. I had this kid looking. I'm not gonna say that. That would have been horrible. But just diving <laughs> in the mud, rolling around, sliding over the place. Oh man. Awful, awful, awful take, Eric. I don't think the dome stadiums should be, should be banned. That, they shouldn't be allowed, you know, a, and every team that has one should be fined billions of dollars until they get rid of it. You could not be more wrong about that. That's I how think it is. Every stadium should have a dome. It's ridiculous that we allow weather to dictate anything when it comes to football or anything. Oh, I'm sorry. Did the snow hurt you? It's not like everybody else that was on the field had to deal with it. Suck it up. Did you watch week? 16 last year or whatever it was the semi-final week for fantasy football last year when half they of the country played was zero it. degrees with they did play through it and it was awful half the games were no, it was awesome it was prime do you remember it, shady it mccoy so being the only person to run in snow it and was, somehow making juke moves in a foot of snow that was awesome you're so that. incredibly wrong it makes me angry all right uh i Good, I'm, I'm, gonna, glad. I'm gonna move off this before i blow a gasket eric uh we're gonna go ahead and jump into uh the Stanley Cup final review first. Uh, this this series did not pan out as um, you know interestingly as we hoped. Vegas no, takes it in five at home in blowout fashion in Game Five, nine to three. I don't know if you had that on your uh, your bingo card, but Eric, uh, just give me your general card. reaction to this series, and uh, you know go wherever you want with it. I mean, at the end of the day, I kind of feel like Vegas beat Florida at their own game. Florida couldn't really push them around. Vegas is, I mean, they run four lines and forwards. All three of their D pairs are good. They're just a massive team. The only player that is under six foot on Vegas is Jonathan Marsh, who actually ended up winning Con Smythe. You'll love to see that. Um, is that real? Jack Eichel. Yeah, only player on their entire roster under six foot won the Con That's Smythe. remarkable. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was saying Jack Eichel, first player with double-digit million-dollar salary to lift the Stanley Cup, so that's pretty cool. Kind of take that off the uh, list of excuses not to pay players. Um, yeah. Riley Smith that. got the clinching goal. The Florida boys beat up their old team. I did like that. Um, and as a general note towards the rest of the playoffs, I felt like after round one, 
It's a really disappointing playoffs. There was only so one seven game series. That was Dallas and Seattle, and most of the other like there was sweep. There was a bunch of five gamers. Really, just disappointing playoffs after the round first round. And the first round was so good too. It was set yeah, it really fucking was. I mean, that might have been the best first round I've ever watched, just from a pure entertainment standpoint. From all the overtime games, all the comebacks, such good the hockey. The series then, comebacks, the game comebacks. Yeah, it's yeah. it good stuff. It was a lot of great storylines, a lot of good upsets. And uh, yeah, I think and the, the next few it. rounds really disappointed. So before we jump over to the offseason outlook, uh, I just want to give our final tally on the series predictions. Your boy Nick with the comeback victory. Uh, finished bullshit. at nine and six. Eric finished at seven and eight. We were both six and six entering the conference finals. I nailed all three of the series after that. Eric went a measly yeah, but the one series and bullshit, two. So, so uh, yeah, if you are ever wondering who's uh, better at you know telling you what's going to happen, there you go. I think it's pretty indisputable evidence. Um, let's go ahead and jump into some random news that we missed. In between uh, the last time we talked to you and now, uh, there's actually been a few trades. Always been sort of confused about trades during the Stanley Cup final. I thought that you know once the trade deadline happened, they couldn't happen again until the draft. But I, I don't know how it all works. Anyway, well, um, the trade ahead, deadline actually is only a deadline for participating in the Stanley Cup final. So you can actually, like, the Blackhawks could have made trades with the Blue Jackets, per se, after the season. Okay, and, Or after the deadline, and it would have been all right, but those players aren't eligible to participate in playoffs. Like, last year, gotcha. um, after the Dadanoff trade got rejected, there were words that, like, maybe he might get traded to a bottom-dweller team just to get Vegas out of the cap, so they might be able to ice a cap-compliant roster. That didn't end up happening, but yeah. Huh. The trade deadline is just a playoff deadline. I'm surprised that loophole doesn't get used more. I guess it's just because tanking teams... Yeah, I, really I guess it might actually be a season thing, so he might not be able to play for a team that season. Okay. But I'm not positive on that. In um, any case, uh, we had a trade go down during the Stanley Cup final that was pretty major. Ivan Provorov, uh, number one defenseman for the Philadelphia Flyers, traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets in a three-team deal. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts here between the Kings, the Flyers, and the Jackets. Uh, basically, what you need to know is the Kings gave up a couple assets to dump a bad contract. Columbus got Ivan Provorov, and uh, Philadelphia ate a bad contract and got some valuable draft capital, essentially. I will kind of boil it down to that. So give me your general thoughts on this trade. Um, For Danny Briere's first move, I thought Philadelphia did pretty well. They did. I the bad contract they got from LA is goalie Cal Peterson. I don't think he's going to be able to salvage his career, but goalies are kind of weird. So there is always that outside chance. They get a first round pick. Um, I think they also got Hells Grands from the Kings who was Solid a prospect. pretty highly touted prospect, but mm -hmm. has not really developed as well. So might be something there. So I think he did pretty well for giving up Provorov who didn't really want to stay. And I think, I mean, Mike Babcock going to, Columbus allegedly I think Provorov's going to fit pretty well in his system too yeah there's some mixed feelings around the league on Provorov in general a lot of people uh you know think he is the number one guy that he was projected to be coming to the league some people think 
he, you know, isn't that it's just kind of what metrics you want to look at. Hockey can be pretty subjective, even in an analytical sense, just because there are a lot of different numbers you can sort of point to and say, you know, oh, this makes him good or bad. And then the other complicating factor is that Philadelphia has just been horrible for a couple of years. Yeah. So who knows if, you know, Provorov has been the problem or if the team around him has been the problem. Uh, but I agree. I think Philadelphia did pretty well here. Provorov was not going to be a part of the next good Flyers team. So you might as well get some assets yeah. for him. And like you said, the goalie uh, they got from the Kings, that's the bad contract. Maybe he doesn't turn his career around. Maybe he does. But if you're not going to try to be good this year or next year, you might as well have a, you know, slightly inflated contract and goal. It might Worked help for the tank. Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly, I don't think it's the worst thing. So they did pretty well there. Columbus, I don't really understand what they're doing. They also dealt for uh, New Jersey defenseman Damon Severson. Solid player. They signed him to a pretty hefty deal as well. Yeah, uh, I believe it was an eight-year pact for a little over six million a year. I could be butchering that, yep, but it's somewhere around there. Uh, yeah, I I think Columbus is just farther away than a couple players, though. So, what do you think about their direction? I think their defensive core is actually going to be pretty darn good. I think uh, Provorov slots in better on the second pair behind Wierenski, but I yep. think Severson could be a good partner for Wierenski, but then they got some young guys, Boakfist, and then I'm really excited to see what David Yurichuk, their first-round pick from last year, can do. I am worried that they're bringing in these veteran defensemen and then blocking the way for some of their other young defensemen because they do have other pretty good young defensemen in their system, Nick Blankenberg, uh, and then they did draft another guy. His name escapes me, but they had another first-round pick last year that was pretty good. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out for them uh, in the draft and in free agency. I think Columbus is going to have to make a couple more moves to make these moves make sense because otherwise they could kind of just be trapping themselves in the middle. They need some help down the middle. The they middle. don't have any centers. Yeah, exactly. I just see. I just think I if, that, if Columbus had done this in a year or two, once they had kind of fleshed out their depth a little bit more, I I would be more of a fan of it. But I feel like they might have been a little too early on these aggressive, uh, you know, contending now type of moves that they made here. Uh, but we'll see what they do the rest of the summer. Maybe it'll make more sense once it's all uh, you know said and done. Uh, a couple of GM moves here. Uh, Kyle Dubas did end up getting. Uh, I guess it was a mutual agreement to part ways because his contract was up. That wasn't technically a fire. Uh, he actually did Toronto. get canned. He did he canned. actually get canned? Okay. He Apologies. got fired. His contract would have expired after this draft. Gotcha. Okay. So he did technically get fired in Toronto. He is the new GM and for the he is Pittsburgh the new Penguins. president of the Penguins. He got a promotion in wow. Pittsburgh. Okay. He's the I did not actually GM see right that. Because they're not, so they're he, not he, was, GM, he assumes all the responsibilities that you would expect. Yes, he basically has Brandon Jan Shanahan's job for the Maple Leafs. Gotcha. So he will be running things for the Penguins and then Brad Treliving got the Toronto job. Oh, he Calgary. was the general yeah. manager of the Calgary Flames for a pretty long time running uh, before the, before this job that he got in Toronto. So um, just give me your general thoughts on Dubas to the Penguins and Treliving to the Maple Leafs. I like the Dubas hire for the Penguins better than Treliving for the Leafs, but I don't think either of them are necessarily bad hires. I think it's interesting that Brad Treliving saw two really talented American players leave his Canadian franchise last summer, and now he has to extend Austin Matthews now. He has one year, deal left, one year left on his deal. We'll see how that goes for him. Um, 
but I think with where with where the Leafs are at, you had to get some new eyes in there. You have to try something to spice it up. So whether that's moving out the core four or just somebody else to work around the edges, we'll wait and see, I guess. Yeah, I think Dubas is fine in the, in Pittsburgh. He's a solid, you know, decision maker, young guy. I think that'll work out okay. They have kind of He's a tough done pretty situation good ahead. on the cap too. Yeah, I I don't mind that for Pittsburgh. They I think their their bigger problems are just roster construction in general right yeah. now. So good luck to him, and uh, we'll see what he does there. I don't mind that one. Brad Schliving, I think it could have been a lot worse for the Maple Leafs, in my opinion. I think yeah. he is kind That's of kind an of- old head, sort of a safe hire, but he also has built some pretty good teams in Calgary, made some smart moves. Um, I think even though the uh, the Matthew Kachuk trade didn't really work out for him this year, it at he the did time, what he could, yeah. Yeah, at the time it was viewed as a very good trade by a the very Flames. Good they got win, back yeah. good value, and uh, again, his hands were tied because he knew Kachuk was going to be out the door and was not going to resign with him. So it was a tough situation there, and uh, I think he'll be just fine for the Maple Leafs. We'll see again. Yeah, this summer is going to be a big pivot point for Toronto, one way or another. Uh, mm-hmm. Oliver Ekman Larson, I wanted you to get your thoughts on this. He was bought out by the Canucks. This is one of the largest buyouts in NHL history. He had, <laughs> I think, four years Tuesday left. Ones, I don't think. That it was, I said one of, that's why I said one of, but he was, uh, he had, uh, four years and seven and a half million per left on his deal. He was bought out. There will be cap ramifications for the Canucks for about nine yeah. years after this. Uh, not nearly as bad as it is for the wild, but, uh, what do you think about it? I, I think they kind of had to do it, honestly. Yeah, I do. I agree, but also they're going to have some interesting decisions coming up. I believe that, uh, Pedersen will have to get extended like right as that kicks up to 4.7 i was looking at it uh this morning but uh yeah it's i think it's two year two million for a couple years then it goes up to like 4.7 then it goes back down to like two mil or whatever but yeah it does definitely give them some space to do some stuff this year which they're dying for calf space so they're hoping that the cap goes up i guess and they can use the space they gain from that so it's definitely a necessary move i just don't know what on earth their GMs were thinking when they brought OEL in in the first place. Yeah, the Canucks have have sort of been a, a victim of the the moment to a degree. They've they've all they've been making some short sighted moves for a few years now. Sort of just you know not not really building a long term plan. Rather you know just fixing leaks with tape instead of plugging them for real. If they, if that metaphor makes sense, it seems like that's kind of what they've been doing. But this seems like a better long term move. OEL was. Not nearly worth the contract that he had. Uh, was probably overpaid by you know four, five million dollars per year, and had a lot of years left. So they made a tough decision, but I think it was one they had to make. And then uh, Jesper Bratt re-signed with the New Jersey Devils. He was a restricted free agent, a little under eight million for eight years. He's a good young player. I think this makes sense for both sides. Do you have any uh, opinions on that? I or think, do you think it was a good. I think contract? it's a pretty good deal. I was expecting yeah. eight to. 8.2-ish range, so to get them underneath 8 is I think, a pretty good deal for them. If they can get Meyer to between 8 and 8.7, I think they'll be looking pretty. Yeah, oh man, if they get Meyer under 9 million, I would be that would be a great I think his, great signing if they go 8, I think that's the only way they do, but if they try and keep him shorter, it's probably 9, 10 mil maybe. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. That's their other big RFA that they have to sign. They have so, they have a decent amount of cap room to maneuver with, though, so they should be um, yeah. should be in a decent spot. All righty, uh, let's move into our last two segments here. We're going to do a couple trade predictions. Each of us will give a couple reasons as to why we think they are possible. And then I have uh, 
some of the UFAs lined up here for our free agency predictions. We're going to give uh, the landing spots and where we see the contracts lining up. A lot is going to change in between now and the draft. We're going to try and get a full free agency preview out to you after the uh, the first or in the second round of the NHL draft because a lot of a lot of parts move, whether it be you yeah. know the draft picks being made or people being traded, yada yada, guys getting signed as RFAs. So. A lot more will become clear at that point uh, as far as which team has these needs and which team has you know the space to make moves. But we're going to give a few free agency predictions anyway. So we'll start off with the trade predictions, Eric. You want to give me your first one? Uh, I got Eric Carlson going to Seattle. That would be fun. Seattle has all the cap space in the world. They're probably the only team that made the playoffs this year that could trade for Eric Carlson without retention and still bring back most of their roster. Um, I think it'd just be heck of fun. Hella fun. Uh, I think their power play wasn't one of their strong suits. He'd certainly help there. So I think he'd be a good fit for Seattle. Yeah, this would make a ton of sense in my opinion. Uh, They do have Vince Dunn running things uh, on the power play right now. He's a pretty solid player. Lefty-righty. Yeah, no, they'd get somebody on the right side that can really produce some points. They need that guy that they can turn to in a Game 7 situation, and you know he's going to make a play happen. Eric Carlson's going to win the Norris Trophy later uh, in about a week, so it makes sense. He's he's a fantastic player, and I think you're right. They have a ton of cap space. I'll just move into my Eric Carlson prediction because he is also on my trade predictions. I have him going to Edmonton. That's mostly... Because I uh, I just see the Darnell Nurse Eric Carlson pairing lining up really well from a cap perspective. They can send their overpaid defenseman back to San Jose. San Jose can oh, send I their slightly you meant overpaid. I was like, what are you talking no, 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 about? No, so yeah, it's, it's it's purely because Nurse is has a number that can rival Carlson's okay. from a cap hit perspective. His is about nine yeah. and a half, I believe. He is pretty far overpaid, but he's still a solid player. So it's not like San Jose would be you know, eating a horrible contract. Uh, So I think if, you know, there wouldn't need to be much retention on either side here. And then it just comes down to compensation and Edmonton, you know, they'll have some picks thrown in there. They'll have a couple prospects. They they can make it work. And I really think, uh, you know, that could help Connor McDavid get over the top here. Another elite option. That power play would be, oh my God. It might break 40% on these. I mean, really progressed on You're that right. power play in the playoffs this year too but yeah no, Carlson that's part just, of the reason that I think yeah I don't know if it totally makes sense from a team perspective but it would be just so fun to watch these guys on the same yeah. team oh, yeah. I think it's possible uh give me your next one Eric I got Taylor Hall going to Carolina Boston in a real big cap crunch right now I think that they have some other pieces they'd like to try and keep around or maybe bring in so I think they're going to look to trade out Taylor Hall um, I think Carolina is a great fit. They're always looking for a little bit more scoring punch on the wing. He brings speed. And I think these past couple of years in Boston, he's really rounded out some of his uh, weaker parts of his game. And I think he'd be a good fit in Rod's system right now. Yeah. I think from a team perspective, Carolina and Boston could not fit better as far as trade partners go. Boston uh, had Taylor Hall in their third line this year. That's really fun and all, but you can't afford to pay a third line left winger six million dollars and you know have the rest of your cap work out long term. So it makes a ton of sense to ship him to, to a team in the Hurricanes that has some valuable assets and desperately needs scoring punch at the top of the lineup. I think the only problem I see with this is that I don't know if Boston would want to necessarily strengthen one of their Eastern Conference. Yeah, rivals. that's a good point. But um, if Carolina came to them with 
you know, 30% higher compensation than the next best offer, I, I feel like they'd probably have to take it. So it, they do line up extremely well from just a needs and wants standpoint. Um, my last trade prediction here is Connor Hellebuck to the Vegas Golden Knights. This one, I, I did some research as far as the cap goes. It doesn't make a ton of sense from that perspective, but I will say that Vegas has not really cared about that in the past. Yeah. One, yeah. If oh, they yeah. have a guy that they want to go get, they've found a way to make it work a lot of times. They are losing. They have contracts uh, they can move to. They do, they'll, yeah. So they could move out. out again, the, I think this is possible. And I think it's just the type of move that Vegas likes to make. They really like to, you know, they like to get their guy on the market and they don't sit on their hands when it comes to, you know, obviously we've never seen them win a cup before, but even after the cup final, they made plenty of moves. Uh, to strengthen their team. So yeah, I think Connor Hellebuck to the Vegas Golden Knights makes sense. He's probably going to go somewhere. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't have a full list in front of me of the suitors, but I think uh, LA Kings could be a, uh, a decent fit as well. But um, you know, I think he's going to get traded this summer and Vegas is losing their goalie, Aiden Hill to free agency. Most likely, obviously they could resign him, but not a very Vegas Golden Knights move to overpay a career backup that just had, you know, a nice 30 game run here in the playoffs. So yeah. I think they could look to upgrade that position long term. Any uh, any other thoughts on the Hellebuck to Vegas? Um, I think if they finagle the calf, I think it'd be a good move for them. Um, my only other note on trades, I can almost guarantee that the Penguins are trading back from the 14th pick. Every year that Dubas was the GM of Toronto, he traded back, I'm pretty sure. So I don't think they're hanging on to number 14. Interesting. All right, we'll hang on to that prediction, see if it comes true. Alrighty, Eric, let's jump into these free agency predictions. I uh, went through a couple different sites. I picked 10 guys that I found towards the top of the list of uh, upcoming UFAs on those sites in no particular order. I'd say that this free agency period is really, uh, it's lackluster on the top end, but it actually has some decent depth to it. So there are yeah. some interesting players all the way down. You could go all the way down to about 20 on the list and yeah, actually, you could argue that guy should be in the top 10 and I probably wouldn't disagree with you. So it's, it's, it's more marked by depth. Not a ton of top-end talent here uh, available in this UFA cycle, but that probably means that the top few guys are going to get some inflated deals because mm-hmm. you know there's going to be teams that are going to be willing to overpay for uh, you know for these guys' services. Let's start out with the uh, Alex Kalorn UFA situation. He is a winger from the Tampa Bay Lightning. He is 33 years old. I have him signing with the Buffalo Sabres on a four-year pact for $5 million per. He uh, brings some playoff pedigree to a young lineup. Buffalo has plenty of cap space, and I think this is just the type of signing that they could do to kind of round out their uh, their top nine. I don't hate it, but I actually have him going to Carolina. Shorter deal, two years, $6 million AAV. I think he's a perfect fit for the middle six in Carolina for Rod the Bod. I think he'd look wonderful on their penalty kill. They keep it a little bit shorter, so they raise his AAV so they don't have to deal with long-term coming down if they have to sign some of their younger players to bigger deals later on. Yeah, I'd like that for Carolina. If they can get him on a two-year deal, I would definitely go for it. I, I feel like this might just add to their glut of really good second and third line players that they have right now. I feel like That's Carolina fair. should be shooting a little bit higher as far as their acquisitions go. But uh, again, as I said, there's not a ton on the top end here. So if they can't make a trade work, then this That's is why I had swinging for Taylor Hall. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is probably the next best thing if they uh, they can't figure out a trade that works for them for a top six forward. Dmitry Orlov is a defenseman from the Boston Bruins. He was traded uh, from the Capitals to the Bruins midseason. He's been a Washington Capital his whole career before this. He's 31 years old. Extremely underrated player, in my opinion. I think he is yeah. the best overall player available in this UFA Definitely cycle. the best defenseman. I would I'm going to say he goes to Buffalo as well uh, on a six-year pack for $7.5 million per Buffalo doubles down on their promising season, adds the top defender on the market. They you know, were a great offensive team and not a great defensive team last year, so this is just a signing that kind of uh, fits a need and fits a team that uh, has some cap space to play with. Uh, the only thing I have against that is they already have so many left-handed defensemen, powers, uh, You're Dine, right. and then they signed up uh, Samuelson last year to a big deal. I, I had him actually going personally to Florida. Don't... Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Go with your Florida, then I'll get my point. You can. I was going to say, I have them actually going to Florida. I don't think that they're going to bring back uh, Mark Stahl on the back end, and I mm. think they could add to their left side. I think he'd make an excellent partner for Aaron Ekblad. They're going to have to pay him, so they might have to do some cap shenanigans. I have him coming in at five years, seven mil AAV. Um, I think it'd be an excellent addition after their good playoff run. He brings some playoff experience. He brings just a little bit of everything you want from a defenseman. Yeah, I don't really have a good grip on their cap situation, so without knowing that, I you know I can't argue with this. I think it fits you know fits their team pretty well. And again, I'm a pretty big fan of the player, so I'd be just fine yeah. with it. My point was going to be is that I don't really care as much about having a lefty and a righty on defense That's as other fair. people do. I think it matters and on the both Dalene and Power play the right this year. Is what yeah, did, so, so it matters a, a, a little bit on the PK because you want to be able to clear you know clear the boards with. You're mm-hmm. having the boards on your side of the ice with your stick, but other but than I that, mean, I feel like it doesn't matter as much as people want to think it does. Uh, if you have to stick, Orlov does on play the... both sides too. He is right. I'd rather both. have a good left-handed defender on the right side than a mediocre right-handed defender on the right side any day of the week. So I, it, I just don't care about that as much. But I, I do get your point. Um, Florida and Buffalo would be two fun destinations for him. Let's go to Tyler Bertuzzi. A winger, uh, his, he is 28 years old. He also was of the Boston Bruins, but traded midseason just like Orlov from the Detroit Red Wings, where he spent his entire career before that. I have him signing with your Chicago Blackhawks, Eric. I think this uh, is a relatively young guy, uh, especially for a free agent. He's a solid winger. He can fit in nicely in the top six. He's got some grit to him, but he's got you know 50 to, six point, 50 to 60 points uh, upside as well. And he would be a nice guy to fit on a Connor Bedard line. He can, uh, you know, be a little bit of a physical force, be a bit of a protector, but he can also finish. And uh, you know, yeah. just a solid guy to have on his wing. Six I, years, I six and a half mil per. Chicago. By the way, is my contract. That's it's a little hefty of a contract, but I it think is. It would I just take I could easily see Bertuzzi Chicago, getting. But I would still love to see it. I could see Bertuzzi getting inflated this free agency cycle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. He, he had is, a good playoff in the short run that Boston had. Um, he's arguably the the number one forward from just a scoring perspective and an age perspective yeah. available, yeah. I would say. Yep. Um, I'm actually, after Boston moves out trailer, Taylor Hall with my prediction, I have them locking up Tyler Bertuzzi to eight years, four and a half mil. They give him the max term, try and keep that AAV down. Same age as David Posternock. They sign him up to a matching deal there. I think he fits in Boston perfectly, and I just don't think they're quite ready to start rebuilding. 
we don't need Boston to get any more good players on really long, extremely great Chief deals. deals. Yeah, listen, no, it's it's just the way. I don't want it to happen, but it it's probably. Like I I can't have this happen. All right, if you if they, if you spoke this into existence on this podcast, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> I'm with sorry. You. I I really don't like it. I think it makes some sense if boss if Tyler Bertuzzi just wants to win and wants to be on a good team with. You know David Pasternak and Brad Marchand for the next couple of years. I, it makes sense, but if Boston locks up another good young player on a you know probably Cheap, million or two deal, million yeah. cheaper than he could get on the open market, then I'm going to be very very upset. It's going to be sad. All right, Ryan O'Reilly of uh, Blues Lore was on the Toronto Maple Leafs at the end of the season after being traded from the St. Louis Blues to the Toronto Maple Leafs at the deadline. He is 32 years old. I have him going back to Colorado on a four-year pact at $5.5 million per, probably a slight discount on the AAV to go to a good team and uh, get a little bit more term there uh, for an older player. Colorado loses JT Comfer. He was their number two center this year, brings back an old friend in Ryan O'Reilly. He adds leadership in the light of the news that Gabriel Landeskog will miss this next year as well as mm-hmm. this last one. And uh, I think it's just a pretty good fit overall. Yeah, I actually agree with your take here. I think Colorado is a good landing spot for him. I think he'll fit that 2C spot in the short term. And then maybe if he can mentor Alex Newhook to take over that 2C spot while he's still on this deal, it'd be a really good look for McKinnon, O'Reilly, and Newhook. I think the back half of this deal, you're looking at probably a slightly overpaid third line center, but third somebody that center. would be but really overqualified. Plays a good for that role, job. knows how to play playoff hockey. Yeah, so. he would still be a very useful player, even if he you know lost a step yeah, and maybe absolutely. lost a bit of his scoring touch. I would be very sad to see this happen, but I see I see a lot of there's a lot of smoke around this one, and I think it just makes a lot of sense, especially yeah. if they're able to. They probably they're able to put Landis Cog's cap hit on LTIR, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are for that during the summer, but if they can, they have the room to do it. Um, let's go. Let's go to Aiden Hill. Arguably the number one goalie in the cycle here. He's 27. You could also go with Frederick Anderson. Maybe we can uh, give a prediction for him as well. But Aiden Hill, obviously yeah. coming off the incredible run in the playoffs, he's only 27. Been a bit of a journeyman uh, to this point, but again, goalies are strange year to year. They're very hard to predict, and some guy, sometimes guys like this can emerge later in their twenties mm-hmm. and actually be solid goalies for a few years. So we'll see which side of the, the spectrum he falls on. I have him going to the Ottawa Senators on a four-year pact for five million per. Aiden Hill capitalizes on his playoff success. He lands a solid mid-level contract for a starter, and Ottawa needs a goalie, so it just kind of lines up. Uh, I have him taken a similar deal just in Toronto. I think that they were not exactly sold with Samsonov's play this year. And uh, Brad Treliving, last time he signed a goalie, he took a big swing on Markstrom after he had a really strong run for Vancouver in the bubble. And we saw how that worked. So hopefully this would go better for him if this materializes. I think Markstrom, that Markstrom signing is actually a perfect encapsulation of what signing a goalie looks like because he was fantastic the first year he was there in Calgary and last year he was horrible. And that's just, that is, Oh, delight. he was so like literally that, uh, Edmonton Calgary series ruined him forever. Yeah. It's, it's forever. wild how <laughs> I don't understand hockey goalies at all. They are so hard to predict. And it really, it just comes down one. to some luck. Year Unplayable year, to be with Vesna. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it is just, it's wild how much these things can fluctuate. So I feel like just not giving, 
goalies these large contracts is probably the move at the end of the day other than you know the top three or four guys that really separate there's only yeah i was gonna say there's only two or three goalies that'll even give you 55 to 60 games now too so right like a vasilevsky uh you know these type of guys that are just surefire each year but they are very very hard to come by so um we'll see where he ends up landing toronto makes sense they have some upheaval at the goalie position right now like you said with Ilya samsonov and um i believe they're going to move out matt murray this summer that's one of their uh top priorities so they will have a need if they can't move him out they're going to try and ir him yeah so they uh they they have some openings there with just the young Joseph Wall basically uh, penciled in as the 1B right now. Let's move on to Ivan Barbashev. A lot younger than I thought he was, even though he played for my team for a while. I thought he was a little yeah. older than this. Uh, he can play the center. He's probably better off on the wing uh, for a full-time sense, but he's only 27 years old. I have him going Maybe to the Detroit Red Wings because the Detroit Red Wings love to sign and or trade for players that have played for the St. Louis Blues. That is the crux of my analysis. Five years, 5.75 per. Uh, I got him actually going to Pittsburgh. Rumor had it that Dubas wanted him involved in the Ryan O'Reilly deal that sent him to Toronto. I think he'd still be pretty interested in him after he just had the fire Stanley Cup playoffs that he had. I think he'd also be an excellent winger for Sitter Gino. Brings a lot of physicality, brings a little more scoring touch than I might have realized. And I had it five by five. So, yeah, I think I think this is a good spot for him in Pittsburgh, actually, because I I feel like Barbashev is one of those guys that plays really well off of an elite talent at his center. So yes. when he's so when he gets to play with somebody like Eichel, like he did in Vegas, he can just worry about getting in the corner and hitting somebody and then using his elite shot when he gets passes. He, he doesn't do a great job of creating his own chances. He doesn't do a great job of exiting and entering the zone with the puck on his stick. But if he's able to just enter the zone without the puck, go into the corner and hit somebody and then catch a pass and shoot the puck, that's kind of where he excels. So if you get him on yeah. Sidney Crosby's wing, Evgeny, Malkin, Evgeny Malkin's wing, it's going to be a good spot for him. So that would be a solid landing place for Ivan Barbashev. And he's also a solid PK type of guy too. He's a little, he's a, he's a big guy that uh, can play the physical side of the game. Let's go to the other former St. Louis blue on this list. Vladimir Tarasenko. He is 31 years old. Again, slightly younger than I thought he was. He's been in the league for a while. I have him going to the Carolina hurricanes. We've kind of fleshed this out already. It's been a long rumor destination for Tarasenko. They've been involved in trade talks for him before uh, they need some scoring punch in their top six. And uh, again, a lackluster group of FAs is going to push this contract up a little bit. I believe he gets a five-year, $6 million per contract, sacrificing the uh, AAV a bit for the uh, the five-year deal. Yeah. Um, I got him going to Seattle, actually. I got him on a five-year, 7.5 AAV, probably a bit high on there. But um, hmm. they got the cap space. And... Uh, it was interesting. There were rumors that he might get exposed in the expansion draft. I would have imagined that Seattle would have been he interested. So maybe they take Diddy. I thought he did yeah. get protected at the end. Nope. Okay. Well, he did not well, protect then, him. That my was mistake. during his shoulder injury days. So there mm. was a lot of a lot of questions around, you know, whether he was going to ever be the same player. Uh, and Seattle passed and took Vince Dunn, which actually was probably the right yeah, move. Yeah, probably the, the better pick. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, so he'd probably the be the best pure goal scorer on their team. I know they do have some other shooters, Jordan Everly and uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, but yeah, Jared McCann. Jared McCann, excuse me, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that would be a good move for Seattle as well. I think that's very similar to Carolina. They have a good, yeah, very solid yeah. depth, good structure, but they kind of need, they just need more scoring punch at the top of their lineup. So that would be a good spot for them. Let's go to your boy, Eric Patty Kane. Yeah. Has, again, only 34. I feel like he's been playing hockey with the Blackhawks since I was like five. And somehow he's only seven years older than me, which is just insane to me. But uh, he did have a hip procedure on June 1st. So he has a four mm-hmm. to six month recovery. We'll probably miss a chunk of the season to start. I don't think that yeah. is going to affect his free agency market too much because he is it, – it seems like Patrick Kane really wants to be where he wants to be. So I feel like there's only going to be a few teams in on this. Yeah. Um, I have him staying with the Rangers on a three-year, $5.5 million per AAB. He had you know, basically all the motivation in the world to go to New York. He forced the Blackhawks' hand to trade him there. And uh, I, I just feel like, you know, he knows where he wants to be. So he's going to find a way to make it work with the Rangers. Buffalo is a dark horse as well to sign him, but it just doesn't fit their team very well. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see him staying in New York, but they just have so many cap issues coming up. I mean, they're going to have to extend Keandre Miller yeah, and take right some, care that. of some other things. Um, I got him one year, five mil in Vegas. Vegas is awesome. no stranger to cheesing the IR. And I think they're going to try their luck with Kaner next year, spice up the fourth line in the power play a little bit, throw some showtime down there. I think he'd fit well on the strip. A Vegas Golden Knights Kaner jersey would look pretty sweet. So I'm it would be pretty slick. <laughs> it would be pretty sweet. Yeah, if they could, if they could make this one work, I'm all for it. Uh, we got a couple more guys here to go through. Uh, Michael Bunting, a winger from the Toronto Maple Leafs. He is only 27 years old coming off a pretty solid campaign with the Maple Leafs, a couple uh, 50, 60 point years in a row, but again, playing alongside, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Matthews's Tavares and Neilanders of the world. So maybe slightly inflated production, but still a young guy. I'm sure he'll get a solid deal. I have him going to Winnipeg on a four year contract at 5 million per. I think Winnipeg's going to have a lot of upheaval this se- this, uh, this off season cycle. They're going to lose a lot of their top six. They're going to need some warm bodies to fill in and uh, they might, slightly overpay Michael Bunting to come in and, uh, you know, be just a, a second line right winger that can fill a, fill a spot for them and be a warm body. You think that's an overpay for Michael Bunting? Have I got a story for you? <laughs> He's coming to Chicago four years, 6 million AAV. Um, following and the I footsteps think, of Andrew Shaw. Yeah, like in exactly. Um, I think basically similar thing to what you said about Tyler Bertuzzi. We need somebody that, brings a little bit of scoring punch, but also has a little bit of snarl and that grit to their game. Put him alongside Connor Bedard. Somebody messes with him. Bunting isn't the biggest guy, but Bunting will go at least punch him. So, yeah, I, I think this is a this is a, that's a great point you made there. This is like Tyler Bertuzzi light, essentially. Like it's just yeah, he doesn't have quite this quite the same track record or quite the same high end talent, in my opinion. But he provides yeah, no, a agree. lot of the same things. He's a little younger. He can hit guys. He's not afraid to muck it up. And he fits well on a line with an elite scorer because, again, he's got some finishing touch, but he can also go in the corners and kind of do the dirty work that Connor Bedard don't really want him doing and do. on a regular basis <laughs> yeah. because, you know, don't need to risk injuring the franchise uh, for, you know, loose puck in the corner. All right. Our Bubble last. Wrap that boy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, our last uh, free agency prediction uh, is going to be JT Comfer. Again, you could argue a lot of guys for this 10th spot. I just went with the center, and uh, just because he's a little bit younger, I think you can get, again, slightly inflated deal here. He's 28 years old, uh, coming off of uh, his time with the Colorado Avalanche. I have him going to Pittsburgh. Uh, 
on a five by five deal for a lot of the same reasons you had Barbashev going to Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh mm -hmm. and Klim, uh, is trying to cling to the fringes of contention here, attempts to stay competitive while Crosby and Malkin are still lead talents. Comfort can play up in the lineup or just be a very overqualified third-line center. Third-line uh, center, yep. So I think this works for them in a lot of ways. Again, uh, they, they just need some – they need depth, quality depth behind Malkin and Crosby. That's just something they've really struggled to, to find the past five or so years. Yeah. Um, I actually got him going to Columbus on four year or five year, four and a half million AAV. Feels like a Babcock kind of player, can play the center and the wing, can play up and down the lineup, plays yeah. on the penalty kill. Um, I think they're just gonna try and fill up their middle six with kind of stock hockey player that does stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could see Columbus making a couple signings like this as well. This just seems like one of those teams that's. Uh, I guess they're not going to try to be. They're not going to be trying to get to the cap floor anymore after they made the you know the couple moves that they made during the final. But um, this is just they're they're clearly trying to contend this year with Babcock coming in, yeah. with the defenseman coming in, and they're going to need some uh, some quality forwards to to make that happen for sure because their depth is not great right now. All right. Uh, any of these other notables that you want to bring up, Eric? Uh, anybody in particular you have a strong feeling about someone going to a particular destination? I, I see Jonathan Tays landing in Winnipeg. Probably a cheap deal. Two or okay. three mil. What makes you say that? I, like you said, they're, they're going to be gutting their team. He's from Winnipeg. He's like still lives there in the summer and stuff. Um, oh, I did not if they're that. trying to rebuild that leadership core. I think he'd be a decent mentor for some of their young guys like uh, Cole Perfetti or Brad Lambert. Um, I would love to bring back Max Domi to Chicago. I just think that with the playoffs that he had, he's probably priced himself out of there a little bit. And then I basically even the reason I listed some of these other notable guys is just to your point. It doesn't have a ton of high-end talent, but it is a deep, deep free agency class. Like you got yes. Max Pacioretty, you got a Thomas Tatar, Jason Zucker are all decent wingers. And then as far as the goalies go, I would kind of be surprised if Tristan Jari ended up back in Pittsburgh, but I think he's probably the best goalie that's going to be on the market this summer. Yeah, and then you've got a Frederick Anderson, who may be the best goalie for next year, if you had to bet on somebody having the best year, but he's 33, so he's kind of more yeah. of a short-term and option. has health issues going in already. Yeah. yeah, you have to have a solid backup because he has, again, like you said, had a ton of health issues uh and has been injured in a lot of the playoffs that his teams have kind of relied on him for. So uh, he is a, a shaky netminder, but good when healthy. And then Eunice Corposalo, the, the the former Kings goaltender, kind of falls in that mid-level price range as well. Probably just a slightly less you know, desirable option than a Tristan Jari. But yep. Could be a I could actually see guy. Jari going to the Kings. That wouldn't be a bad move for them, I don't think. Yeah, they're going to need someone to fill the hole uh, beside Phoenix Copley because he is he's yeah. more of a backup goalie long-term, I would imagine. Uh, they have plenty of ammo to go out and get somebody, though. I think they are a, a very big player for Connor Hellebuck as well uh, as the Golden Knights. So Their cap situation's out. not great either, though. The Kings? LA's, yeah. Interesting. I thought that they had pretty uh, – they don't have anybody locked up to huge deals other than Dowdy, right? And Dowdy and Kopitar, but then – now they got a Fiala and some of their oh, other yeah, forwards Fiala. are making decent money. I forgot he's still in LA. They signed Gavrikov to that deal. Mikey mm -hmm. Anderson they signed uh, long term. Yeah, so they might have to attack one of these mid-level options rather than uh, 
shooting for the top of the I the, didn't the tank there. Realize they actually retained on the Provorov salary in that three way deal. They have about two mil on that Provorov salary. Okay. Yeah, because they uh yeah. they, they basically took it out from under the, Peterson. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that was such a bad contract. Yeah, All righty, Eric. Do you have any uh, any other notes that you want to get off your chest before we get out of here, or are you uh, you ready to go? I think I'm ready to go. All righty, guys. Thank you for stopping by. Uh, we appreciate you. We'll probably, again, hit you up with a, uh, a podcast after the draft and before free agency. Hopefully we can have uh, a better idea on some of these guys, maybe go through a, yep. a lengthier focus on the the free agents themselves because we'll know again uh where needs are and where cap space is a little bit better at that point so eric thanks for uh thanks for helping us out today and we will see you guys soon awesome thanks all right i got the time code down so i'll just have cody uh edit it out at 48 nice any of my predictions shock you? Um, I think Hill going to Toronto would be really funny because they have just. Really, I think like, it'd be funny. They have like they're just every year they're like, all right, this guy four years. Five, this is like, the one that's gonna do is it. The one that's like they're like Jack Campbell, no. Ilya Samsonov, no. No. Matt Murray, no. Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill, Hill, though. He just won a cup. He knows how to do this shit. And he's going to be like a 901 goalie for them, for for sure. (laughs) Then they're going to have to trade a second round pick to get rid of him next summer. Then they're going to sign. Dude, oh my God. I can't wait till we get Boston's first round pick for taking Matt Murray. Boston's first round pick? They have Boston's first round pick because they got it. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, they're that uh, that pick actually ended up being a pretty quality pick, I mean, right? 28. 28. 28. How was it 28? Cuz if if uh they're the last I think it's 28. But wouldn't it be I mean there was eight teams that went farther than them. Shouldn't it be like 23 or 24? I know Tampa is 19. Uh, let me look at this real quick. I'm like fairly sure certain that it's 28 though. Yeah, it's 28. I don't know why, but what the hell? Yeah, see why? Yeah. So we get Toronto's Toronto's pick and it's 25. 25. Why do we get a higher pick? Because Toronto went to the second round. How the hell does that work? Is it only the conference final teams that get their it picks like pushed it. to the end? Yeah. Huh? I didn't know that. That's weird. Because you're right. Because Seattle's 20. And they, yeah, obviously, and they're ahead of the wild. So it's just like, yeah, and we got 19 from uh, hmm. the Lightning. I'm actually, when I said that uh, Pittsburgh's going to trade back from 14, I'm hoping that we trade up to 14. I'd like, like to trade up really, farther. But... Is there great depth other than I feel like like the top, like I said, the top top of this class is really good, but then there's kind of a lot of debate between like there's five and there's the a lot of pretty good players. I I would say the top. 15 to 20 in this draft are all solid players, but like the truly like thing that sets this draft apart is going to be the top three or whatever. But like, even like there's, yeah, there are probably 15 
pretty darn good forwards. Interesting. I should, I'll trade. Because, like, I think you guys will probably get a pretty good player at 25th, even. A lot of my mock Hell, drafts. Package are... 25 and 29 and move up to 14. Yeah, you can. Two great players. Yeah. I just wish there was more good defensemen in this draft class. Fuck. Yeah, that's the issue. You got like Reinenbacher, ASP, yeah, but there's he's not like a lot. kind of a reach at ten though. I'm, I don't know. I mean, Reinenbacher. Yeah, I, I feel like I've just seen him go more in the middle of the first round in most of the mocks yeah. that I've seen. I mean, like, yeah, not like, and like Willie honestly, Gary. him, Axel Sandin, Pelika, and then who's the other defenseman? Gulia or whatever. Yeah, um, Will Lander. Yep, yep. I've All of them probably go like times. between ten and twenty. Yeah, but then there's like there's I have so many like, people saying that we're gonna take Andrew Cristal at 19 now because he's like Connor Bedard's best friend, and I really hope we don't. Who is Andrew Cristal? He literally he is just Connor Bedard's friend. <laughs> is, is that why he's being pushed up? And did he play with him? Uh, a little bit. I think they played together at the World Juniors. Now nah, he is actually a pretty good player, but. Connor Bedard talked about him in one of his interviews, and then everybody's like, are the Blackhawks going to draft Cristal? I'm like, please don't. Just because he's Connor Bedard's friend. Like, he's just in the air, fucking whatever your GM's yeah. name is. It's like, <laughs> like, you know, I could just not sign that entry-level deal, but... I mean, if you, hit <laughs> you know it would help if I had a good guy. friend here to live with me. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little bit more amenable if you just draft Andrew Cristal. I don't know. Oh, I should have made an Alex DeBrincat prediction one of my trades. It's sad. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. I feel like... Shit, I mean, you, there's a chance... Like, what if you just trade back for him? That would be hilarious. It kind of lines up. I mean, if you're trying to, like... If you got, like, a young guy that is trying to you know, grow with Bedard a little bit, I feel like you guys need... Like, you don't have any top-end scoring punch at all right now other than... Bedard. No, dude, like, literally our second best forward might be Lucas Reichel. Oh god! I mean, he's pretty good. Is he? Yeah, I mean, like he's like he was our first round pick a couple years ago. He was uh, fifty-one points in the AHL, and then in twenty games, he had fifteen points after he got called up at the end of the year. Yeah might actually be a solid player he's not like a stud or anything but he, he could be our second best forward <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> not a high bar to clear right now yeah like i said this is why we need michael bunting <laughs> yeah i think you guys, I'd rather, I think you guys I'd, are gonna get one of those mid-level forwards for sure yeah i hope it's domi but i think domi's gonna go somewhere that he can actually make the playoffs next year again yeah, that will not be Chicago, so. You guys took fucking Kirby Doc's brother? Yeah. Colton Doc? He's not very good. No. That sucks for you. Is uh how'd Kirby do this year? I didn't even look at that. He's solid with the Canadians. Scored Canadians. against us. Of course. I think in both games he played against us, he scored. He had the shootout winner in one of them. Fifty-nine points in one hundred fifty-two games of Chicago, thirty-eight and fifty-eight games of Montreal. You love to see it. 
the yeah. beast. He started off really hot with he was playing with Suzuki and Caulfield, but then when Caulfield got hurt, he slowed down a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. Which isn't that surprising. I mean, he's a playmaker, so. Alrighty, dude. I'll uh, I'll talk to you later this week, and we'll uh, try to nail down a time for that um, free agency preview situation. I am leaving for a trip on the the Friday after the draft. So if okay. we can do the Thursday night, that would be awesome. But we'll uh, yeah, I should we'll be see what's up. home that whole week, so I should be okay, good. Okay, cool. All right, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.